Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. So this morning, I want to share with you a little bit from our past week's reading. Um, If you still carry a Bible, take them out. If you have an electronic device, please get that out. We're going to look at different scriptures. We're going to have them on the screens. I'm not going to try and have you turn to every scripture that I read, because some of them I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to say I'm going to go through them really fast, but we're not going to totally focus on them. But if you're going to turn, turn to 1 Kings 12. And that's where we're going to spend a little bit of time reading. And then if you want to put your finger in Psalm 1, you can do that too. If you have a Bible, a paper Bible, that is. But the world is filled with people that love to give us advice, isn't it? Have you ever had anyone give you advice that you weren't looking for? So let me share a few nuggets of advice that you're not looking for. But you'll get what I'm saying. This one might be a little bit cheesy, but... Before you dig in your yard, you have to do what? Call Miss Dig, right? That's a sound piece of advice. Before you start digging, call Miss Dig. Find out what you don't do well and don't do it. You'll be happier. You might even be a little bit freer. Here's a good one. The quieter you become, the more you hear. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And here's one of my favorites. The master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Never put both feet in your mouth at the same time because then you won't have a leg to stand on. Always keep your words soft and sweet, just in case you have to eat them. I wish it were that easy. But what does the Bible say? The Bible does talk about advice. Did you know that? In the book of Proverbs, let me read a few Proverbs to you. Proverbs 12 and 15, it says this, the way of a fool seems right to him, but the wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15 and 22 Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And Proverbs 19, 20, and 21, listen to to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Can I say that again? Many are the plans in a man's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Let's face it, there are so many who are willing to offer you advice, to offer me advice, if you want it or not, but we always have to consider the source from the advice that we take. I find it interesting that many of the Proverbs were written by Solomon. And standing here as a dad, Pretty proud this morning. Yes, I had a few people shake my hand and say, actually, somebody said, put your chest back in. (laughs) 
Well, the chest isn't really the problem, but especially when I got GQ standing up here. I think I'm GXYZ and whatever else. But from a father's perspective, I understand that the, the, the Word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit, came upon these men, and they wrote the Word that we hold so true. I totally understand that. But as a father, I'm sure as Solomon was pinning this, he's thinking about his heritage. He's thinking about those that are going to come behind him. And, and I really believe he wrote a lot of this to help his sons because he was going to have a kingdom, right, that was going to rule and it was going to reign and it was going to continue to go on. And then Solomon said some things like this and in and, and other areas of the Proverbs you can see, but Proverbs 1.8 is quite specific. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Parents, my goodness, should we have that painted in our children's bedrooms? We probably should. Solomon's oldest son was Rehoboam. And this morning, we're going to take time to read about Rehoboam and some advice that he sought. When Solomon died, and you can read, if you, if you are keeping up with your reading, you've read it, but 1 Kings 11, it talks about different things that lead up to this, and we, we read at the end of 1 Kings 11 that Solomon died and his son Rehoboam inherited the throne. So here's where we pick up in 1 Kings 12, and I want to read the first 15 verses. Now, I'm going to read it out of the NLT version if you have something else, or if you have an electronic device, if you want to go to that version. This is how it reads. Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him a king, to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled to Egypt to escape King Solomon. And you can read that again in 1 Corinthians, or 1 Kings 11, to give you a little bit of story of why he ran away from Solomon. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam in the whole assembly of Israel went to speak to Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, give me three days to think this over. Then come back for my answer. So the people went away. And if I could say that was brilliant. I think on his part to say, give me some days, let me think this over and then come back. But that's where, well, let's go on. Verse six, the, then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice? He asked, and how should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, if you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the younger men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What is your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. 
Yes, my father laid a heavy burden, laid heavy burdens on you, but I am going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Now, before you go any further and you see these little animals with a tail and claws, no, that's not what he's going to beat them with. But as I was reading, and one of the commentators that I was reading, it's kind of like what Jesus was beaten with, where it had metal and stones and glass and that type of thing. That's what that scorpion was about. Three days later, verse 12, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam just or spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no, det- no attention to the people. And this turn of events was the will of the Lord. For it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. So you, there's a lot of information here that, that if you can read back, and I don't feel like I have the time to go all the way back to share all of that with you. But Solomon messed up, and the Lord let him know that he messed up for all the idols all the, the women that he got involved in his life, all the way. You know, as he invited another woman into his life, he would bring another um, worshiping of another idol or another system. And he really messed up, and the Lord was hurt and, and was not happy with him and made a proclamation that, Solomon, you're going to lose your kingdom. And now here's Rehoboam doing the same thing. So the people asked for relief from the high taxes that his father had imposed. And and, um, it was to build the kingdom. It was to build the temple. There was reasons for the taxes, but they were high. So wisely, he said, give me three days. Let me think about it. Let me consult with advisors. And so first he goes to his father's older advisors, trusted advisors, And these men tell Rehoboam to to listen to the people. If today you will be a servant to these people and and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. It sounds so reasonable, doesn't it? Sounds like that just makes good common sense, good advice. But he immediately rejected that advice from those elders. And instead he goes to his friends And he asked their advice. And in reading this, it kind of shows me that his friends maybe didn't come across sort of like, no, his friends did not come across with great counsel, great wisdom. The way I read it is they were kind of like high on themselves. They were kind of getting proud. Here we finally got our friend in this place. Now we can get advice to him. We can advise him and kind of became a a part where these, I think, guys or people, I don't want to, these advisors around him spent a great deal of time sitting around making fun of the people and so glad that we're not like them. And, And you could tell that they were not giving him good counsel. 
especially when it starts out with, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. These words were not destined to make people happy with their king. These weren't words that a good king would even say. And the words that came across came from what I would consider, and especially in our culture today, very much a bully perspective. People who like to push other people around. But unfortunately, those were the words that Rehoboam listened to. And I think he started to move into a mode where he was going to now maybe show off to his friends. And by doing that, because we have the gift of scripture, because we have the gift of history, we know that this king ends up losing nearly everything that he inherited from his father because of some bad advice that he followed. He lost more than half the kingdom. And neither he or any of his descendants would ever gain it back again to have the complete kingdom as the way it was before Rehoboam took it over. From that day forward, 10 tribes went to Israel and then there was other two tribes in the Judah and in the south, uh, in the south, never to be reunited again. So the focus that I want to bring to you this morning is this. Now, listen to this closely, and I hope it kind of maybe will ring in your ears. But it pays to pay attention to who you pay attention to. It pays to pay attention to who you pay attention to. Not all advice is good advice. Let's go to Psalm 1. Let's read the six verses of the wonderful book of Psalms. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Wow, that is six verses of scripture that is just packed full. God warns us to be careful who we hang around with and who we listen to. There are two categories that we're going to just talk about today, the godly and the ungodly. And what I want to spend my time or why why would I want to spend my time with these people that are in this place that want to mock, that are wicked, that are sinning, and they're in that place? And, and I know that seems like maybe we are profiling. 
that's why he gave us a spirit, his spirit, that discerning spirit that works inside of us, that helps us to know who we should and who we shouldn't be listening to. This, folks, I'm talking about life here. I understand there are financial advisors that maybe are not filled with the spirit. Pastor Julie did a great job talking to us about how we need to be walking and continually being filled with the Spirit. And I am in total agreement with what she preached on last week. And I'm saying in this place, we need to be doing that, and that needs to be our daily walk. Now, that doesn't mean that if I take advice from a financial consultant or, or in other things that aren't believers, doesn't mean that it's always going to be bad advice. But you know what? When I'm making life decisions and decisions that are going to help me walk my walk, talk my talk, I want to have the people that are full of the Spirit speaking that into my life. Because I want to know that the Spirit of God is behind what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And I believe that there are very brilliant people out there that can do that. But you know, when it comes to these life decisions, and I understand financial decisions can be life decisions. Maybe you need to seek that person out that is a believer and filled. And do people blow it? Yes, I understand they do. But the Holy Spirit never will. And let them speak that life and that breath into you. Now that I got to pull it back. Let me rein it back in. Don't walk with the counsel of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the sinners. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. Those are people that we don't want to listen to. They're just going to get you to go and do things, go places, do things that are going to end up working against what we're about as a follower of Jesus Christ. Here, let me help you out with another scripture reference. I, you know, I maybe a lot of scripture. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 6. 14 through 18, and I'm going to give you a minute if you're turning pages. I sat, and as I was putting this together and thinking about it, and I was looking at the volume of scripture that I put into this, because I know it's a lot easier sometimes when we could come into it with one or two verses and we focus on that, but you know what? I was just convicted, and I let the Lord just continue to pour into me what he would pour into me, and it's like, I would rather you have a whole lot more scripture than a lot of me. So I'm going to say as much scripture as I can, and then I'll try to bring some stuff in between. So 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. (coughs) Pardon me. Folks, we got to quit listening and spending our time listening to the ungodly. They don't think like what we do. The advice of sinners, mockers, and wicked is often selfish and vindictive. 
It rarely shows a desire to heal. Instead, it insults and it belittles others, as we just read in this passage in 1 Kings 12. There are so many talking heads in our world today, TV, radio, podcasts, that want to push an attitude, want to push an agenda. They want to get us thinking and talking in certain ways and like they do. And, you know, I was going to bring up some different things, but you spend too much time in front of network news. Oh, goodness. (coughs) Tell me you don't get bummed out right away. (laughs) My son and his friends from Moody Bible, and now my daughter-in-law. We were down there at their graduation, Noah's graduation, and I met one of his friends, and, and Noah introduced me to this gentleman named Paul, who's from Malaysia, speaks better English than I do. And as we were talking, he, I think, introduced Noah to a, a podcast that I began to listen to. And it's called The Briefing. Albert Moeller is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. But what he does, and, and he does it only, I think, like eight months, nine months out of the year during the school year, he, he takes all the headlines of the day, different headlines, not all of them. He only takes a few because it's only a short podcast each day, Monday through Friday, and he'll take something that hits the news really hard. And then he tries to bring it back into a Christian perspective and how we should look at it. And I have found good advice from somebody like that. But you know, it's one of the few that I have been introduced to and found of somebody that's not necessarily preaching because I listen to lots of preachers over podcasts or I listen to a few preachers over podcasts, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. This one's very different in that he's, he's taken the world and he's bringing scripture into it. And I've been challenged by that, to start looking, saying, what is it really saying here? What are the words that they're putting out? What are they trying to say? And you can see how they're trying to push an agenda and a style and an attitude and different things that are coming at you. But then I get challenged as I step away from the people's voices and get back to God's voice because it's the word that challenges me and it's what I want to be challenged by the most. And I hope that's your, your thoughts too. And as I look at it, I could say, I'm far from living in this place. And here's what I mean. Look at Colossians 4 and verse 6. Let your conversation always, or let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Oh boy, do I fail. I don't respond gracefully a lot of times. It's not always seasoned with salt. (laughs) A lot of times it's quick, it's harsh, it's out right now, and it's out of my mouth before I wish I didn't say it. Ephesians 4 and 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Do I dare ask for a show of hands saying, oh boy, I, you know, that's, that's me. 
people leave, they know that uh, it's been a benefit to listen to me. See, if I spend too much time with those that are listed in the scripture as mockers, as sinners, and, and those that are uh, just sitting in the wrong place, eventually I won't talk like I should talk anymore. I'll start talking like them. And maybe I won't say all the words, but I've got to battle what's even in my mind. And, and I was just thinking of where I worked before I was blessed to be able to come and work here at the church. I worked with just people. You know, I was out in the business world. And I was out in places that, you know, I'd rather have not had to go if it was my choice. But my job took me to those places. And I could see myself. And when I was surrounded by the people that I worked with, and I felt like I worked with a really pretty good group of people, but boy, some of them could be really raw. Some of them could be really harsh. And some of them didn't care about my faith. They said it anyhow. You know, where there's others that, well, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to say that in your presence. But some didn't care, care about that. But being in that so many hours a week and being in that place, stuff would start to happen. And all of a sudden, what would start coming up in my mind or in my heart? And I would have to watch my tongue and say, whoa, I need to break this get away from this and get back into his word. And I need to be refreshed. I need to be filled with his spirit again, because I could see that I'm starting to let their talk. And all of a sudden I could hear myself starting to talk like my coworkers, maybe not the profanities, maybe not the, uh, innuendos, but not, maybe not, they were not a part of my life, but feeling defeated and feeling like the man's taking it to us, you know? the government, this, the, the corporate design and all that. And, and, and I began to start talking like that. And I'm thinking, I don't sound any different than anybody else here. What is, I've got to get back and let his spirit fill me. I don't want to be like Rehoboam's friends. I don't want to be the one that's just offering what everybody else is saying. I don't want to be one that sees myself above everybody else. It pays to pay attention to who you pay attention to. So we've talked about who we shouldn't listen to. Who should we pay attention to? Well, I'm bringing it back home today. One of the blessings of the church of Jesus Christ is what he created for us to come together and be a part of, to be part of a family of God together to help and to build and to support each other. We also have the blessing of worshiping and serving our Savior together. Is this time that we've just had for these last number of minutes just been precious and special and edifying and building to you? I hope it has. And if you're sitting in a place this morning where you're not feeling any different than when you walked in the door, then you need to start looking into his word and you need to start looking into your spirit and saying, what is it about me that's not being refreshed by being with the body of Christ, by being refreshed through a time of worshiping and praising together and being encouraged by a worship leader, all these different things. When you listen to the counsel of fellow Christians, fellow Christ followers, you're at least in a much better place and a greater chance of getting biblical advice than anything else. 
Now, I find it very interesting here that the first people Rehoboam consulted were the elders. They were the people who Solomon had trusted. They had experience. They had been around. So he went to them. And the older leaders have always been the standard advisors in the scriptures. When Moses was leading the people out of Egypt, 70 elders of Israel helped him. And these 70 elders were often part of God's dealing with his people because they were the ones recognized as the wise leaders in Israel. That's in Numbers 11. Later, elders of each city would sit at the city gates and they would act as judges in civil disputes. In Deuteronomy, you can read that. And throughout much of Israel's history, the elders of the people often guided Israel, both in good and bad ways. Paul told his two young preachers that he was working with, Titus and uh, Timothy and Titus, to appoint elders in the churches. Titus 1 is one of the places that gives us requirements and guidelines to those who would like to be an elder. They are people with a proven track record, a good reputation in the community. Now Solomon was given one more great piece of advice by his father. I shouldn't say just one, but this is one that I wanted to point out. And it comes out of Proverbs 3 verses five through seven. And he seemed to ignore this one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. In this entire story of first Kings, we don't find one time that Rehoboam ever went and prayed, never went and sought God Other than we hear he took three days, but it doesn't sound like he went and sought God at that time. He went to to his friends. And even when he did visit the elders, he wasn't looking for God's will. He didn't go to the temple priest to ask questions. He wasn't looking for God's advice or God's counsel. I think he already had his mind made up of what he wanted to do, and then he got some friends around him that helped him confirm what his decision was already going to be. And we cannot operate that way. 2 Timothy 1.12 says this, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. In other words, Paul believed that no matter what happened in his life, he entrusted that which was precious to God's hands and God would take care of it. How about you today? Do you head to the Lord and his word first before you move to other people, to other sources, to make decisions, before you begin to seek any attention of others, do you make the Lord your first stop? And that's what I want to really challenge you with today. It pays to pay attention to who you pay attention to. And if it isn't the Lord first and foremost, it's out of order. It's going to be out of order. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. 
And Lord, I just ask that you help us to not have an attitude that we read about today, that we're only looking to be self-serving, self-pleasing. But Lord, that you have created us, you have designed us, you have brought us together as a church body to hold each other up, to help each other out, to stand strong with, with each other in times where crisis happens, where times where problems happen, where we can have the good and we can have the struggle. Lord God, where we can rejoice in the good times and Lord, when the struggle is there, we can have people around us struggling with us, bearing up our burdens. Thank you, Lord God, for that. I ask that you would just bless all that has been said this morning. Lord, that again, it's not words that I've spoken that will resound in people's heart, but the word that was spoken through your word this morning, through 1 Kings, through Psalm 1, Lord God, through 2 Corinthians, through the Proverbs, Lord, let those words be the things that resound in our heart this week as we move on into a place that, Lord God, when we are out in this world and we are working with people that maybe aren't the believers, that don't profess you as their Lord and Savior, that we can be salt and light, that, Lord, we can address them in a kind tone and in a, in a gentle way, Lord God, and that we can inspire them to want to know more of you because of how we deal with people and how we answer and how we respond in times of struggle and crisis. Bless each one. We ask it now in your precious and your mighty name. Amen.